Hello and welcome back to the Take A Trip podcast. This is episode 11 and as you can tell it's a bit of a creepy episode today. We did have a more heavy episode for episode 10 um, so I figured I would do a little bit more light-hearted one here and obviously today I'm going to be talking about a haunting and it is a haunted village which I found really interesting and it's in Kent which is in the UK in England where I live and um, I don't know I just think that I hear a lot of hauntings in other countries especially the US and when I look at cases that are kind of close to home it kind of freaks me out but I also kind of love it because I know I can visit these places when I want to so today I'm going to be talking mainly about Pluckley Village but I'm also going to be talking about the Screaming Woods as well I don't know why but recently my YouTube algorithm has been going crazy with videos of YouTubers going into the Screaming Woods and spending nights there which um by the way what like who does that I've had a lot of these videos suggested to me and I thought okay okay I guess it's the universe's sign that I should cover this in an episode so here we are so I'm not going to talk too much I'm just going to get straight into it Pluckley village is a small village which is situated in Kent and it has been around since the 1100s and there are a hell of a lot of paranormal things that go on here okay in fact it's one of the UK's most haunted villages in fact in 1989 the Guinness World Book of Records had it down as the most haunted village in Britain which is really interesting I never actually knew this and they have a reported 12 to 14 ghosts that's right people have reported anything between 12 to 14 ghosts i find that unreal that there's that many ghosts just jamming around in this village and this place is a hot spot for paranormal investigators and also lots of tv shows journalists paranormal fanatics and also youtubers like i said they've all visited this site and they seem to love it so yeah this land was owned by the daring family and these people own this land for a lot of years uh, like i said several of the haunted places are connected to the daring family themselves either the apparitions are of members of that family or they are related to the family somehow the daring family owned a lot of the land where the hauntings occur so naturally it always comes back to them and they were lords of the manor from the 15th century until world war one and a fun fact that I found out while I was researching was that during the Civil War, Lord Dering had escaped capture from Cromwell's men by diving headfirst into a window. I couldn't say that name then. Cromwell. Cromwell. Well, he was running away from his men and he dived headfirst through a window. And I don't know. I just found that kind of funny. Um, I don't know if he died from that, though. That's kind of messed up if he did. So let's just get straight into some of the paranormal things that be going on there. And we're going to go through a couple names and a couple situations first. So the first one is the Highwayman. And this man was given the name Robert Dubois. This was apparently in a Most Haunted episode. And the name was only used once and it was in this episode. So I don't know if that's his real name. Apparently Robert Dubois in his life, he used to hide behind a tree on this place called Fright Corner. Fright Corner was a place known by the locals and it was just... I don't know a scary spot where this man would jump out and stun you so this man would wait behind these trees and jump out if he was walking past i personally hate that 
So one day, a guard or a group of thieves, depending on whatever source you're reading, they threw a spear at this tree where Robert was hiding. And apparently it pierced him through the chest and killed him right there on the spot. So now let's talk about Robert's apparition. So apparently Robert comes about as a shadowy figure. He appears to local people and also visitors and he may also jump out and scare you the way he did when he was alive. But the bush where he would hide has been cut down and is not there anymore. So instead of a real bush, there will be an apparition of a bush as well. Like I said, he was pursued across the fields and his last moments were where he was stood with his back to the tree. Um, Apparently he gave up a really big fight before he died. And so when people see his apparition, they tend to see an apparition of the tree as well. And it's just of him with his back to this tree, his body is slumped over and he has this large spear just protruding from his chest. And where this man is seen is also close by the Screaming Woods. And the Screaming Woods, like I said, is a situation and I hate it. I also hate the fact that I'm recording this episode at 3am, but let's not talk about that. So the Screaming Woods is basically these woods which are on the Daring property, which is why they're called the Daring Woods. And it's where people will hear these blood curdling screams from deep inside the woods. And these screams aren't only screams that you can hear because the birds in the trees in these woods would also freak the hell out whenever these screams would happen. So um, fair to say that everyone hates it, including Mother Nature. Another interesting thing I found out about Daring Woods though is that there was actually a really bad massacre there where there was a bunch of adults and children killed. In 1948, 20 people's bodies were found in a pile in the woods and they didn't show any wounds. The massacre took place on the night of Halloween. How terrifying is that? And the cause of death could not be figured out for anyone on this pile. And I think the article said something along the lines of like, oh, This was a fleshy pile of bodies and I just hated the description of flesh and pile. I don't like that. Also, four students went missing on the same night in the same woods 50 years later. Because one of the first things that came through my head was, okay, well, if there's a massacre, maybe there's a killer, right? But we're talking 50 years later. So, I mean, if someone killed this first set of 20 people, I'm guessing, you know if more people had died in these woods then it would be the same person or the same group of people and the fact that it's 50 years later means that there's either another generation of these killers or whatever it is or this cult or this group of people that roam these woods or it could be something paranormal but after both events something really interesting happened people reported seeing light figures similar to spider webs floating around in the sky This happened after the massacre and this also happened after these four students had gone missing. Okay, so the next apparition is the hanging body of a school teacher who is seen in Dickie Buses Lane. I think that's what it's called. So this school teacher was discovered hanging from a branch of a tree by school kids on their way to school. And apparently he'd taken his own life in the 1920s. Some sources said the 1800s, so I'm not too sure. But what they do say is that on a certain night where the breeze is rustling in the trees and there's a full moon going on, 
you can catch a glimpse of his ghost and it's of his body swinging back and forth as he hangs off of that tree branch. If I lived in this village just from these first two or more than two sightings alone, I would be like, okay, bye. There's no way you can get me anywhere near this village. But we haven't got to the worst part. We're going to talk about the Church of St. Nicholas now. I personally hate this whole story. Most members of the Derring family are actually buried at the Derring Chapel on the first aisle of St. Nicholas Church. And a few of the apparitions that are seen are strange dancing lights which are seen frequently in the church slash chapel windows. There are knocking sounds from the family vault which is underground, sort of underneath the church. And there are two main apparitions that are seen around the church and the courtyard. This is the white lady who was a young woman who was buried inside multiple coffins and she haunts the main church and there was also the red lady too but let's talk about the white lady for a second okay so she was the wife of the baron who owned the majority of the area at that time and when she died her husband was so distressed that he had buried her body in three lead coffins and one oak coffin just to slow down her body's decomposition. I'm guessing that is some kind of trauma related thing and maybe it's just an idea of never wanting to let someone go, but he didn't want her body to decompose at all. So apparently this woman's apparition is seen wandering around the family house library. And like I said, she's also found wandering around the church. And there was also a red lady Um, I couldn't find much information on the red lady but one thing I do know is that she was related to the white lady. Some people liken it to a mother-daughter relationship and other people liken it to a sister-sister relationship. She was called the red lady because she was buried with a rose and apparently she was walking around the church's courtyard to try and search for the grave of her stillborn child which is really sad. There's actually a small white dog which is also found in the same area as the white lady and the red lady and it leads me to wonder you know if these two have got a relationship then maybe this is a family dog or a dog that they knew of in the village that had just somehow stuck around with them during these times but in the 1970s and this is the story that I hate A group of psychic researchers went to the chapel in hopes to catch something supernatural on camera, as we do. Reverend John Pittock allowed them to spend the night locked inside the church. So these people came with all of their cameras, their tape recorders, their thermometers, their devices, their Ouija boards, you know, the whole jam. So they stayed overnight in this church. The next morning, the vicar came to let them out and he asked them how did it go do you know did you see anything and these people were like "Mm, no it was kind of dead actually you know we didn't really see much but your dog actually kept us very company and he was the only thing that didn't let us go crazy but the vicar turned around and said i don't have a dog and i don't know what it is about that story um i'm here for ghosts actually no i'm not i'm here i'm not here for ghost anything but if i had to see a ghost and if it was a dog i wouldn't be that mad at it I feel like I'm going to see a ghost dog now, especially because it's 3am. But anyways, I wouldn't be that mad at a ghost dog, but I don't know what it is about the fact that they genuinely thought it was real enough to say to the vicar, oh, thanks for leaving your dog in here. And then the vicar's like, I don't have one. 
don't know don't like it not a fan on to the next story though now we're going to talk about the Greystones monk and this story is kind of heartbreaking and it ties into the story of rose court which is a house on the property so the Greystones monk story goes like this he was said to have lived during the tudor times he was a monk like i said he would walk around in his brown robe very distinguished gentleman he was reputed to have fallen in love with the daughter of a neighboring property and this woman died under quote tragic circumstances which had made the monk angry and bitter he would walk around these green fields and lonely lanes where him and his lover enjoyed many romantic days together and he would just reminisce of the times that they had but as time passed and he just felt more alone and more depressed he supposedly died of a broken heart which is actually a real thing by the way so now his ghost is still meant to roam the neighborhood and he was last seen in 1989 by an american journalist who saw an unmistakable brown robed figure drifting from behind the house Apparently, he drifts through the trees, down the lanes, he drifts everywhere, he's a drifter. We love that for him. But at Rose Court, there was a lady of Rose Court, and she was a woman who poisoned herself in despair over a love triangle. So this woman resided in a 250-year-old house, which was built by the member of the Daring family for his mistress in the Tudor times, so it was built for her. So this mistress, she fell in love with a monk from Greystones and she found herself in a love triangle. We don't want to ever find ourselves in one of those. She got depressed and drank a fatal cocktail made of the juices of ivy and other poisonous berries. And when her body was found, they noticed that she had spent her last few moments looking across the field to the Greystones. But here's an interesting point. The Greystones wasn't built until 1863, but people believe that she was looking at a property that was already on the site at that time, because just to say that Greystones wasn't built, it doesn't mean there wasn't a house in its place before. And people have reported that things have moved around the property in the night, there's been strange growth in size, and there's also been a really weird vibe in the garden. We don't like that garden vibe. The next story I have for you from this village is the Watercress Lady. This is a phantom of an elderly woman who accidentally lit herself on fire. Ouch. This was an old gypsy lady who was known for gathering and selling watercress to the local people. She was a very well-known person. A lot of people said she was eccentric, but she was very harmless. And she would sit on the wall of this bridge every sunset after a long day of work to smoke her clay pipe and drink some gin you go girl on one evening however she fell asleep and when she fell asleep the pipe dropped onto her clothes and before she knew it she was quickly engulfed in flames thanks to the alcohol in her clothes and she let out agonizing screams that absolutely no one would hear the next day when the village opened up again and everyone started to walk through they discovered her charred ashes on the floor along with her shattered clay pipe and battered flask so in the initial years after her death her ghost manifested as a screaming howling figure surrounded with flames and then shortly later sort of down the line a little bit her ghost sort of manifested as a faint pink glow which would hover 
around the spot where the watercress lady had passed away. So now I'm going to get into some poltergeists because not only are there apparitions and just some old school, you know, normal ghosts going on in this village, there are also some poltergeists which I hate but you might love so I'm going to mention them anyways. So at first we have the Black Horse Inn which is a pub on the property and people have reported seeing an unseen hand that lifted cutlery from a drawer and organised it on the side. Which by the way, if I'm going to have a ghost in my yard, I would prefer for it to be a neat and organised ghost. So if you're going to be helpful honey, please help me. But then people started to see glass jars moving on their own on the shelves and they weren't really a fan of that. And also, another thing I hate, the pet dogs that would come over to this place would bark at one specific corner of the kitchen and then upstairs there was a room that they would absolutely refuse to enter. And it was always this one specific room that they would just refuse to enter. And I trust dogs. I trust dogs and I trust cats because I feel like they can see some stuff that we definitely can't. And if a dog is barking at a corner in my kitchen, I'm not going to question it. I'm going to be like, you know what, honey? You spoke your truth. We're moving house. And also we have the blacksmith's forged tea room. And this tea room is apparently haunted by a Tudor maid who would appear and stand by the fireplace and she would slowly turn the spit. I don't know why, but in the article it said the guests would always just watch in disbelief as she did this. Me personally, I'm running out the front door. But also, is she like making direct eye contact with these people? Like, <laughs> she made me blush as she did that, I can't lie. Also in this tea room, there was a hanging line of mugs which would clink together as if someone had just run their finger across the whole line of mugs. And also, you know, chairs would move around, that kind of casual stuff. But in this village, these weren't the only sightings. They also had a lot of other sightings too. There was a phantom horse and coach, which was seen in several locations around the village. Um, obviously, this was probably from way, way back. And I don't know when the sightings of this actually occurred. I didn't really get any datings for many sightings. So I'm just going off of hearsay. There was a ghost of a gypsy woman who apparently drowned in a stream at the Pinnock. There was a miller at Mill Hill who would just be seen chilling, I guess. There was a colonel who was seen hanging in Parkwood, which doesn't sound too great. I mean, if I was going to see an apparition, I would absolutely hate to see a hanging man. I think that's just the creepiest type of thing you can see. And also, there was a man who drowned at the local brickworks and he was apparently smothered by a wall of clay. And apparently he's called the Screaming Man, who I guess would accompany the Screaming Woods. This man apparently worked for the village brickwork and he fell to his death and apparently he's the most popular apparition in the village. So obviously when it comes to the screaming woods and the village and all these kind of things obviously people are like why are there so many ghosts in one area especially if it's just this small little village and it just seems like a harmless place why are there so many apparitions? Well I've heard a lot of rumours about these woods and apparently it's a hot spot for people who want to summon demons for people who are into satanic rituals, for people who want to sacrifice. I've heard of, you know, old sites where people have sacrificed stuff. I've heard of people 
discovering that in these woods and I didn't decide to look too far into it because no thank you not a fan of it um but I believe that that could probably play a role especially in the amount of activity that's in this area it would make a lot of sense if people were purposely bringing these um spirits about or if they were agitating you know some of the uh supernatural life that is in that area if there's an area as old as Pluckley and you're going to start doing rituals and it's literally a burial ground for old families that used to live there, I guess you've got to expect stuff to sort of go left eventually. And me personally, you know, I would put it down to that kind of stuff. People tempting fate and all that kind of stuff. But hey ho. I'm not going to be going to Pluckley anytime soon, I can't lie to you guys. When I was researching it, it did cross my mind that, oh, you know, it'd be kind of cool to visit this place. But the more I thought about it, the more I realised, Leah, you're black, you don't do these things. So anyways, thank you so much for listening to this episode, guys. I know it was a little bit shorter, but the previous episode was also a little bit longer. So I thought I'd, you know, maybe balance it out. I hope you guys enjoyed this little creepy episode i'm sorry it wasn't really much of a storyline to follow it was more just a bunch of random facts thrown at your face but i hope it interested you and let me know if you want to hear some more hauntings especially like haunted villages and haunted roads and stuff like that because i find them even scarier than haunted buildings believe it or not so you guys make sure you keep safe don't go anywhere near pluckley and definitely don't go inside the screaming woods and I'll see you next week on Thursday for another episode. Until then, bye.